0: The subject for the evening talk is the emptiness of the clinging. <laughs> uh, uh, conventional uh, religion and various beliefs which are associated uh, with it often um, ask much more than what's really and truly reasonable and it's not unusual of course in our relationship to uh, life that we can feel various degrees of dissatisfaction and if not confusion with conventional things which we are taught we find ourselves very much involved in the secular world with its uh, secular uh, values and sometimes we forget too that there is a large degree of belief systems in secularism and for some there is a reaction uh, against that and there is an opting for the other extreme which we might refer to as religionism, and some try to live their life as we know, in fact wanting the best of both worlds, wanting to acquire and accumulate as much as possible in uh, through secularism, and therefore a kind of pleasurable heaven on earth and with the comfort that upon death there will be an eternally pleasurable heaven afterwards as well and there's no end to the mind's capacity to want everything in all ways, in all directions without making an iota of sacrifice for it and one has in secularism and in religionism a whole range of views and beliefs which uphold the consciousness and sometimes we hear a lot in the world that we live in about uh, religious fundamentalism and in religious fundamentalism very strong beliefs seemingly um, unshakable a great deal of identification and clinging to them and the kind of viewpoint that everybody else has got it wrong and one of the things that sometimes amuses me about uh, all of that though it's not very often amusing um, is that it's fundamentalism but when one meets such people the one thing that seems to be noticeable and that is the total lack of fun (laughs) and and then one has the same in secularism as well and in secularism it uh, shows itself in very very strict forms of secularism in its own secularist fundamentalism as well and the way that it tends to show itself is in the belief in belief in money for sure belief in um, prestige and in the acquisition of more and nothing else matters much in this world in terms of anything else except money the pursuit of more and being somebody and this secular value this secular fundamentalism pervades our schools it pervades education it, it pervades the minds of politicians uh, scientists uh, influential voices of authority and there is a widespread adoption of secular fundamentalism where one's primary duty is to produce and consume more and it's just as fundamentalist as any religious viewpoint it's just as charged with belief systems as any religious fundamentalist, and it's way out there in terms of, extre- of extremes and both seem to share a common denominator as well as not really producing, despite the mythology of any real depth of human happiness ge- any genuine love and any profound awareness of life and the interconnectedness of life and what matters is the belief system and the belief system in secularism is supported with science and the belief belief system in religious fundamentalism is born of the book or the individual or the tradition and I think it's rather vital and urgent in fact to be aware of these two extremes in the field of existence and to see if we can discover and imbibe in fact a middle way between these two because both of them um, express and reveal a tremendous conceit and arrogance and both claim to be living of course in the real world one of the great popular particularly of the secular fundamentalists and in that having some doubt about that can open up the heart and open up the mind not only to a concern and a criticism and a, a meaningful critique in fact of extreme positions uh, in, in this world but is there some kind of alternative to all of that? And in saying the, the alternative to all of that it could be, as it were, to start setting up and start clinging to a kind of third position. But in fact, the Dharma of the Middle Way the exploration of the mi- Middle Way has as is its expression really an unfoldment which is simply born of the awareness of what's extreme and to listen to extremism in any of its uh, forms and expression takes a lot of awareness a lot of uh, presen- presence and also a great deal of uh, trust in a way and a sense of being which listens to extremism and we have to listen to, to it in the voice of our own mind and also and equally in, in the voice of, of others and for that there is not much point in identifying and clinging and grasping onto uh, uh, various uh, forms of authority whether in this case secular or religious if somehow or other one feels it's charged with prejudice and bias looking in the area and the fields of of, uh, clinging and the impact on that there's a kind of process or sequence of events which go on in life and therefore in our life which has as its end result forms of uh, clinging and something goes on in the psyche that does it the end result is a specific way of clinging and um, common, one of the most common forms of uh, clinging of course is around labels and the build-up in our life of the importance of labels and labels are obviously empty of any truth or reality to them they're simply a label and in the label something goes on in its relationship to it which gives substance to where it isn't gives meaning to when it doesn't have it and that intensification of identification with the label produces in the mind a duality called us and them whoever it might be and that divisiveness not built up on many truths of things it's built up on a picture and an image and in the picture and the the image we enter into conflict and confusion added and fueled by the degree of clinging anybody who's ever worked in groups ever engaged in facilitation work ever uh, watched the evening news or read a daily newspaper generally it's a day-to-day description of similar or various forms of clinging that's what one reads on the front pages of one's newspapers, and watches on the evening news and sees in the various conflicts uh, which go on in this world there is a clinging taking place and any form of clinging acts as an expression of disrespect not only to existence itself because existence doesn't know clinging in it uh, in terms of the truth of things but it also acts as a form of disrespect to others as well you just cast your mind's eye back to r- near or far to any period of time where there's been strong clinging going on and the impact that's had on yourself in all the waves that it generates the pressure that it generates from within through clinging but also and equally the impact that it has on others think of any row that you've had with another person you can't have a row and a yelling match and, uh, and all the ugliness of it without clinging to something position, viewpoint, standpoint idea a memory a belief or whatever so clinging acts and fuels difficulties between human beings and therefore any inquiry into life has to and needs to address to what we cling to what do we cling to and sometimes that in, in, uh, the, in the Buddhist tradition there's been a long-standing value obviously frequently forgotten but it does linger in the tradition somewhere and a long-standing value towards a tolerant out- <coughs> outlook towards existence and an acknowledgement of a diversity of views the diversity of beliefs that take place and a certain tolerance which is there but there are plenty of examples in Buddhism of extraordinary degrees of intolerance and I was just showing Russell a couple of days ago the uh, Saturday edition of the Guardian uh, newspaper and on the front page of it on the top above the main story was a feature about a Buddhist group in the north of England called the New... some... New... New Kadampa What sort of name? (laughs) Anyway, getting there to being dumped but anyway it's called New Kadampa and for a long time it's had a strong doctrinal dispute with the Dalai Lama Uh, who is the leader of the Tibetans and the uh, head of the Galupa tradition and this doctrinal dispute has been so strong and intense that rather unusually any photographs, books, literature, leaflets or whatever is utterly banned from this Tibetan centre in the north of England because of these differences in dispute and the Dalai Lama is coming to give some Dharma teachings uh, in this country and according to the newspaper reporter who did a a two-page spread in the center of the Guardian about this uh, uh, dispute that the new Gadampa uh, Buddhism has sent out I think it was more than 200 letters to every newspaper, news agency and whoever else will hear about the failings of the Dalai Lama his uh, alleged abuse of human rights etc. etc. And in the report the newspaper reporter was commenting about um, the tradition of tolerance in uh, Buddhism and I thought it was least. in the unsatisfactoriness of the situation um, a little bit more realistic in so far as, ah here's an excellent example which most of us have known about for years of a good display of um, intolerance being expressed by one school of this case Tibetan Buddhism to to another and it ought to put anyone who has a love and care for the Dharma and awareness that in Buddhism as much as anything else clinging and holding and possession of views and closed-mindedness can easily take place but the risk in even discussing and exploring uh, clinging to views and opinions is that one can then end up and there are a few around who end up being extraordinarily intolerant of intolerance and uh, it's it was messy and untidy and so sometimes those who profess the, the Dharma of uh, the middle way themselves and uh, include myself here have to be extraordinarily vigilant and watchful of not ending up um, becoming arrogant self-righteous um, sitting on the throne condemning all for their intolerance and producing through clinging the same mindset thus one can cling to the middle way or one's concept of it as much as cling to extremes. what is the wisdom in life that looks at the relationship to life to see what is clinging to the left, right or centre and what the outcome is what is clinging and what the outcome is and these new Kadampa people are you know, thoroughly convinced of their views. They regard uh, Lama Kelsu as their um, as a Buddha, and there's a strong conviction there. And of course, the Dalai Lama, who's rather sweet guy really, has been somewhat dumped upon, <coughs> etc. I just use it as a small example because in views and opinions in the world of religion, secularism um, ideas and ideologies is there possessiveness and clinging going on in our existence? just for that, just is there any demonstration of that in our own life? what is it? what way does it manifest itself? and what kind of attitude comes? there's plenty of things to give criticism for and in any teacher including the Dalai Lama plenty of things that we know where he deserves criticism as much as the rest of us but there's something about looking with a concern and critical eye towards uh, things and I've had my run-in with the, the Tibetans over the years as some of you know well and but where is the clinging and the holding going on, where is the possessiveness taking place? and to really to be very vigilant about it what do we cling to? and anything in life can become a minefield for clinging and sometimes as I say in the practice and the teachings of the Dharma which is essentially a teaching of non-clinging sometimes people just drop their old clinging only, only, obviously to take up a new one what's the difference? And then we come to from those situations the view, the world of views and opinions and the expressions of clinging that go on there to other forms of it all of it's unsatisfactory whether it's at the gross or, or Uh, subtle um, uh, level and in other levels of uh, clinging that that take place those forms of uh, clinging can show show itself in a kind of um, impact where we're not noticing what we are building up clinging doesn't generally take place in one big huge lump of clinging suddenly pouring out of ourselves it's much more insidious uh, than that and the clinging takes place in the perception like like the Buddha used a stickiness but it's very, very, very gradual and over days, weeks, months and years sometimes the form of the clinging has built up and because the general thread is pleasantness pleasantness of contact pleasantness of association with one actually hasn't noticed the stickiness might be quite refined all the way through which is gradually building up in the pleasantness in the association in the contact with and then in the face of impermanence one might be left with the full weight and force of the clinging one didn't even know it before oh I'm not clinging to this person I'm not clinging to this place I'm not clinging to um, this um, whatever ring that my great-grandmother gave to me and which has now gone down the plug hole and etc but through the gradual build-up and association sometimes when something has changed then the clinging shows out and the indication of the cl- clinging is the expression of the suffering that goes with it. And the world of course doesn't fit frequently doesn't fit with what we wish to stay associated with. And in that clinging anything can have a kind of prison-like quality those of you who have uh, been to uh, anywhere, been to India as an example, it's a fairly large country it's about uh, 3,000 kilometres from the Himalayas down to the tip I think it's um, it's a good stretch uh, wide, must be a couple of thousand kilometres wide or whatever it's a big piece of land and if a person and there are plenty who are clinging to the idea of getting to the west clinging to the idea of getting out of India to um, go to uh, the US some of you who live in the US must wonder why on earth anybody would want to And but nevertheless not another story but there are people who do want to live there or do want to um, live, live, in this, uh, live in this country which is, to my mind has always uh, much preferred living in the past than living in the present but nevertheless people still want that and when the person really wants to get out of India as an example and go and live in the West the clinging to that makes life in India a prison can't bear it hate begin, and one has met such people who hate everything about it can't see any good in it and just want to get out of the country and get as quickly as possible to the supposed Western paradise and, and then others who actually get there or get, get here spend some time here perhaps in study perhaps in making money or whatever then the Home Office and Immigration said right, um, we've had enough of you get back to where you came from which is what they do frequently the person arrives back in his or her homeland call it India or call it whatever and hates it feel even more in a prison more trapped, more stark Hate the conventions, hates the culture hates the kind of uh, way of life, there, hates the pollution or whatever it might be why? is it the place or is it the clinging? clinging to what could be in the future or having returned clinging to what was and the degree of clinging has an extraordinary impact on the person's contentment, peace of mind happiness or whatever and sometimes we can't see it's clinging all that the mind sees is the place it's the place not the clinging it's not the place obviously it's the clinging and therefore one can find a freedom in life whoever we are wherever we are whatever the circumstances which we are in if we are not clinging and the teachings are teachings of liberation so there are teachings from freedom from clinging when I went to see Ajahn Buddhadasa story I've told um, uh, a few times uh, o- over the years and um, I'm rather reminded of um, um Ram Dass and some of you know mm-hmm. and uh, who's uh, made a tremendous uh, contribution to um, uh, opening people's hearts and minds to a kind of uh, larger uh, vision of things mm-hmm. who's a great devotee, a great uh, uh, person of uh, service and has sent thousands of people uh, on, on retreats in uh, different uh, places, and has, and of course, has done many, many, uh, himself. And he, uh, uh, listening to him talk once, he, some of the talk- stories that he's been saying, he's been saying for 20 to 30 years. And he said in one of his talks, he said to the, uh, the audience, the people who are listening, now some of you, would have heard this story before that I'm about to tell but he said just think how often I've heard it (laughs) 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 and I think that ought to bring some compassion out of all of us and it's a little bit similar um, with uh, when I went to see Ajahn Buddhadasa, one of my two teachers in uh, Thailand and he said to me that all that he had spoken about over the years, and he had, um, Russell and I were looking at the number of talks that I have on tape today, and, uh, in the, the uh, library there, which date back to that nearly, nearly 20 years, and there's probably a good 1400 talks or more, uh, on, uh, tape, and Bodhidharma had. Many, many, many times more than more than that on his uh, in this uh, room near his uh, hut. And when in 1970 I first uh, met with him, he said everything he had ever said and numerous books which it had uh, published was all based on uh, four words in the Middle Length Sayings. Uh, Sabai dharma nalang abhinasaya. And it means nothing is worth clinging to. Nothing is worth being identified with. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And, and I remember in this, which was the first conversation I ever had uh, with him and privileged to have um, many many more uh, over, the, over the years since 1970 and when he said it he expressed it in bodily terms as well by taking off uh, his robe and pulling it off his uh, shoulder and he said nothing's worth being identified with including this and just pulled it off being a monk he said having robes nothing's worth being identified with and um, it struck home uh, well and those four words obey, dhamma, Nalang abhinasaya I think it's worth being identified with them dharma so no dharma, no teaching no practices, no methods, no technique no things, no religion, no philosophy no ideology, no body, no mind nothing is worth being identified with and he, I would regard as a wonderful and marvellous demonstration uh, of that in his own realisation and and awakening so see, there tends to be a gradual movement towards uh, that kind of clinging and possessiveness in life and it's our duty, maybe our prime duty of our life is to see the emptiness in clinging never mind about religion never mind about secularism never mind about uh, religious fundamentalism never even mind about the middle way just three see the emptiness of clinging If one's to, just to do that for one's life it would be a uh, rem- marvellous and very free life to live sometimes there's a lot of confusion about it as well and um, I've had a few groans over the years and in the uh, process of things it's a long theme and I won't go on all night I'm slightly tempted but might accuse me of clinging to talking and um, in the contact with the world there is the contact immediate impression that's followed by some feeling which is pleasant or unpleasant or in between and then that easy is followed by a desire and the desire is in its movement within followed by a clinging and this contact feeling desire clinging becomes almost a kind of curse for humanity because of all the suffering that's born of clinging every horrible terrifying suffering in life that happens in in life um, except for certain kinds of physical forms of it but generally speaking and often including that as well of course has in the thread of it clinging if I make the exception sometimes in the fruit of genetic hereditary factors doesn't have to have but much of else does certainly does have and sometimes one hears this um, language being used which one has to be extraordinarily careful about and that is when a person says yes I have the desire for yes I want but I'm not attached to I'm not clinging to and sometimes this viewpoint has been used in spiritual circles to allow and give license to a person to do anything I'm free to do what I like sometimes some of these uh, uh, wretched gurus have come out with this uh, ideology as well I'm free to do anything I like because I'm not clinging I'm not being possessive and and because because I'm not attached therefore I can do and sometimes can create a great deal of havoc and pain and conflict uh, around or sometimes it can show itself in building up uh, spiritual um, um, empires and as we know there's been a few over the last uh, decade or two and they uh, went up uh, dramatically and they came down pretty dramatically as well thank God and, and the message can be going out from the devoted followers and from the leader figure oh yes because we're not attached we can do this because we're not attached but the attachment and the clinging and the holding may not necessarily be in the outcome but is actually embedded in the desire itself in the pushing and the wanting in the aggression in the forcefulness in the demands on others in the building up of the converts into the proclamation of the ideology or whatever and I say, well I'm not there's no clinging here, there's no possessiveness here there's no attachment here but the attachment is in the movement of the mind and in the movement of the mind to uh, wanting, wanting and uh, over the time and over the years there are a few people who have uh, um, appeared on retreats and have uh, said to me that they've um, in the name of non-attachment in the name of non-clinging and non-possessiveness they've um, handed over their inheritance because they were told that they were just clinging to it and just holding on to it and then they've handed it all over and those acts of generosity sometimes with naivety uh, the end result of of it has been uh, abuse of the kindness, abuse of uh, goodwill and a few people have come on retreats with a degree of rage and, and fury and hurt and would have willingly, they'd had the nerve, killed that guru they would, they, they would have done to him what the Romans did to Jesus if they could get close enough and through the bodyguards and it's understandable when there isn't the wisdom to understand what letting go is when there isn't the wisdom to understand what being free from clinging and possessiveness and holding is and sometimes in these kind of circles and people go deeply into things never forget if you go deeply into things just as with the ocean there are lots of sharks running around in the deep and it takes a lot of awareness and wisdom in life and, and, and clarity in, in life to know the nature of non-clinging, the nature of non-holding there and, and the wisdom that can go with it. And it's a, it's a form of language, as I say, which can be easily manipulated. And it's all too easy to say to ourselves, or to say to somebody else well you're just clinging you're just attached there may be commitment there and connection there and respect there and affection there and, and love there and deep qualities of heart and mind which are there and then somebody else comes along and says oh you're just attached you're just clinging, you're just holding usually those who say that have a vested interest it's their aesthetic. It's the vested interest in driving a wedge and using Dharma language to create a division. And we've got to be very, very watchful when we throw out at others or ourselves the language of non-attachment, non-clinging, non-holding, non-possessiveness. We've to use that very wisely and carefully there, and not assume that connection means clinging. Connection means holding. Connection means attachment, and therefore, what is manifesting inside of us, what's actually showing itself in, inside inside of our ourselves, and m- and noticing what holding possession, possessiveness, and clinging is, and as I say, its manifestation is in some form of suffering. Something, it's a signal, as it were from um, uh, the nature which tells us to wake up tells us to be alert when the suffering tells us to look what was the desire going on in that suffering what was, what, what was the result I was holding to what were the demands I was making on myself or, or others what's the fresh way as we were exploring earlier today what's the fresh way of looking at this situation which acknowledges connection and the interconnectedness of all things and all beings free from holding and in that respect every experience we have of impermanence surely has got to be the best reminder in the field of existence of the importance of not clinging perhaps more than anything to remember impermanence and the change in the movement of life to remind us nothing's worth clinging to and if that's understood in the heart well and deeply all these teachings are there in a nutshell and in that respect uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa Buddhadasa means servant of the Buddha Ajahn Buddhadasa was uh, right when he said, well, it's just everything comes together in the understanding of one simple thing. Understand it deeply and non-intellectually, deeply and, and well, everything falls into place. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings be free from the holding on to mind. May all beings live with wisdom. So let's have uh, two or three silent minutes together shall we please?